If you're old enough like me to remember that commercial on TV, raise your hand. Awesome. So we're starting a brand new series called Fruit by the Foot. Who wants some? Anybody? Anybody? All right. All right. Right here. There we go. Somebody over here? Anybody? Far back? Oh, I'm out. I'm sorry. But there... <laughs> I know how it is. You see a hefty looking guy, you think he, he has some candy in his pocket, huh? You're, no, I'm out. I'm out. Sorry, guys. I think I threw my shoulder out on that last one, too. I was, I was joking about it because I did it in first service, and uh, I was like, you know how it goes as a, as a dude, you want to like go harder the next time, right? So I'm like, I got to get it all the way to the back. We were joking that I'd tear my rotator cuff or something, but it's all good. Well, guys, we're so excited to be together today. Turn to somebody, give them an a air high five or fist bump if you'd like, and say, hey, you're looking good, smelling good. Glad you took a bath this month. Way to go. We're starting a new series today called Fruit by the Foot. Somebody say fruit. fruit. And we're talking about producing the, the good fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life. And uh, we're taking this out of Galatians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the churches in the region of Galatia, which you're all totally familiar with where that's at, right? Exactly. No, I had to look it up. I'm like, where is that exactly? It's in Turkey or what, was, uh, what is now modern-day Turkey. But we're talking about the, the kind of fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. How many of you know we, we kind of have two directions we can go, which is we can try really hard as a Christian and try really hard to produce good fruit, try to do the right thing, try to be the right kind of person and be a good husband or wife, be a good parent, be a good coworker, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times our effort and all of that that we put in doesn't really always bring the best results. And that's kind of one side of what we can do. And then there's another side, which is letting the Holy Spirit flow through us and give us the power and the capacity to do what only He can do. So let me say it like this, kind of a cutesy little phrase. When the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. How's that? All right, I heard some groans, but it'll, you'll remember it, okay? When the, whole, where, when the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. So we're going to look at that today in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to jump in right into the text and study this, because this is going to be the foundation for what, what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks as a church. All right, you with me? You ready? Anybody bring an old school analog Bible to church today? Come on, raise it up, because you're more holy than the rest of the folks around you. Come on, somebody. All right, I just have mine on here, but... Uh, I am a pastor, I promise. Okay, I do have a real Bible at home, and I've, I know where it's at, all right? I know where it's at. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul writing again to these churches in the region of Galatia. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. How many of you have recognized within yourself something similar to what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, that there's this battle internally going on between the good and the bad inside of us? Come on. I always think about like uh, Jiminy Cricket right on Pinocchio's shoulder, right? He's his conscience, you know what I mean? And we all sort of have this good uh, angel, and I'm not, this is not a theological statement, I'm just using this, uh, this term here analogously, but we have sort of our good angel, and we have that little nasty demon thing that's always like, do the wrong thing, right? Whispering in your ear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
Now, I think it's good to personify this sort of voice. So when I think about like my sinful nature, it's not Jake, it's Jakey. Come on, little Jakey. And little Jakey's like me, but he's short, same weight, just a lot shorter. And he's, yeah, and he's a little kid there, like do the wrong thing, right? How many of you have a little Jakey on your shoulder? Come on. Not that necessarily, but you know, fill in your own, your own thing, right? Little Johnny, right? Little Jeff, little, little Jeffy. And that little, <laughs> little guy is, or, or gal is whispering in your ear, hey, when that person flips you off on the belt line, man, let that thing fly back, right? You can't flip me off. I'm an American, right? And that thing is speaking to you when it's like, hey, should I have that fourth piece of pie at Thanksgiving? You deserve this. You've been good. Come on. <laughs> you only had four plates. You know what I'm talking about. That thing that, that is leading you to go in the wrong direction. So Paul says, hey guys, the sinful nature, little Jakey wants to do its evil. And you have this battle, this wrestling match going on on the inside. These forces are constantly fighting each other. Verse 18, when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now that'll make sense in a few minutes when we talk about the context of this. He goes on, he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And then we get this laundry list of a bunch of nasty stuff. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. All of these are just taking place right now at the University of Oregon campus, right? At the dorms. I mean, just all of it. It's all right there. It's true. So this is the stuff that comes out of our natural way of thinking, the, our natural flesh. You, apart from the leading and the guiding and the presence and the fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit, this is what we produce. This is sort of the crop that our garden yields, if you will, when we follow the desires of our sinful nature. And he goes on, he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Somebody say, uh-oh. But in verse 22... The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Not that, this, right? We're going to talk about a different kind of fruit, a different kind of harvest. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That's what we want, isn't it? We want more love. We want patience. We want to have peace. We want these kinds of things in our life. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Father, we open our hearts to you today. Pray that God, as we receive your word and we engage with what you're wanting to communicate with us, that Lord, we would be open. God, we'd have ears to hear. We'd have eyes to see, hearts to receive, and that we would be good soil that as your word is planted in us, that God, we would not just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other, but it would take root inside of us and it would begin to produce that good fruit you want to produce. So we open ourselves to you today, God. We want to leave this room different than when we walked in to look more like you, to follow more closely to you. Lord, we love you and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. All right. 
So let me tell you the, the backdrop of this. Because I think unless you understand the historical context and where, what Paul's saying to the people that it was originally written to, it's hard for us to necessarily get the full scope of this. But as I said, the Apostle Paul wrote this book, Galatians, as a letter. It was a letter to either a church or a group of churches in a place called Galatia. This is a Roman province in uh, north central Asia Minor, or what we know as modern day Turkey. And these were Gentile people. In other words, people that weren't Jews. They didn't follow the Jewish faith. These are Gentile people here. There might have been some Jews in these churches that became Christians, but predominantly this is a Gentile area. And so they have not grown up or uh, were not, you know, indoctrinated in the Jewish faith. They didn't know about the temple. They didn't know about sacrifices. They didn't know about circumcision. They didn't know about the law of Moses. And so they responded as Paul went around the Roman world and preached the gospel. They responded to the pure message of the gospel, which is simply this. God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for your sins. And you can be saved when you believe in him, right? When you believe that, that, that he was sent, that he died on the cross and that God raised him from the dead, when you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. They believed that they were saved by grace through faith. They believed in the gospel. The gospel message is very simple. Our sinful hearts like to complicate it many ways and, and add things to it that makes us sort of helping God uh, save us, but he doesn't need help. It's about us receiving what he did for us at the cross. You with me? So these Gentile people, they didn't have sort of the trappings of the Jewish faith. They didn't have the law. That wasn't something they had grown up in. It wasn't something that was part of their, uh, their, their, their uh, spirituality. And they respond to the gospel. They turn their lives to Jesus. And it's this beautiful, pure thing. But it was almost like on command, Paul has this group of people that were Christians, but they had grown up in the Jewish faith and they weren't really believing in the purity of the gospel. They thought that you had to be Jewish in order to be a Jesus follower. And so they followed Paul around and it really ticks him off. And you can see that in the whole book of Galatians. It's kind of like old school talk radio. It's literally six chapters of ranting because he's ranting against this message that these people bring. So these Judaizers, these people that are Followers of Jesus are Christians, but they think you need to do more than receive Jesus. They think you need to follow the law of Moses. They go to the Galatians and they start telling them, you need to follow the law of Moses. If you don't obey the law, then you're not going to be faithful to Christ. If you don't follow the law, then you're missing something. Now, particularly what they taught is that you had to be circumcised to faithfully follow Jesus. And Paul gets pretty upset about this. Like all of Galatians, he's going, hold on a second. Stop being foolish, Galatians. You were saved by grace through faith. Now do you think that by following the law, by adding some things, that you're going to uh, do anything to add to your salvation? All you're doing is, is being foolish. You, you're confusing the issue. So these guys that were teaching circumcision and teaching these things, they were corrupting the gospel. Now, I want you to imagine if this were the case that, you know, we had to follow the law of Moses and we're supposed to proclaim faith in Jesus. Imagine coming to church. It's like, hey, welcome to Joy Church, right? Our greeter's at the door. Hey, the coffee and donuts are over here to our right. And for the gentleman, um, over here is our circumcision uh, area. <laughs> and Pastor Mark is there and... Shink, <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything is sanitized. Um, why are there no guys in this church? Uh, you know. How many of you are appreciative that there's some things that you don't have to do to be a Christian, right? <laughs> like Jesus took care of it. You're like, wow, I'm, this is a weird church. 
well, we don't do circumcision, so it's at least not that weird. (laughs) But Paul gets upset about this. He actually goes so far to say in Galatians chapter 5, verse 12, he says, hey, you guys teaching circumcision, I'm going to quote scripture. He says, as for these agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying, if you think that a small surgery is going, if cutting a little bit off is going to help you get closer to Jesus, then why not cut it all off? Because if a little is good, wouldn't a lot be better? He calls them in another translation, you mutilators, I wish you would mutilate yourselves all the way. Because if you think you can add anything to what Jesus did, you should go all the way. And he's exposing the absurdity of self-reliance, of trying to add anything to the work of Christ that he did at the cross for us. You with me? So it's pretty aggressive. Paul sets up this major showdown between keeping the law to make yourself right, trying to justify yourself, trying to add or, or put anything to what Jesus has already done, or following the leading of the Holy Spirit and trusting in Christ for salvation. He's demonstrating the absurdity of any form of self-reliance. Now, obviously we're not here uh, having people come through and tell us, you know, listen, um, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to be circumcised, you need to follow the law of Moses. That's not something in our culture and in our time. But there's still a temptation for us to want to add to the work of the cross, a temptation to want to partner with God and say, hey, you take 99%, but I've got my 1%, so I'm going to rely on my own effort, my own ability to earn and do good things. And we confuse two theological issues justification and sanctification. Now let me talk about what these mean. Justification is the fact that Jesus paid the entire price for your sin and the sin of the world, and he paid it in full, and you can receive it in full by what he did, and now you're justified, you're made right with God, positionally righteous, and when God sees you, he sees Jesus and the finished work paid in full, written on your life. That's what justified means. Sanctified means that You can now live a life that is pure and holy, looking more like God, and he's cleaning you up because there's a a growth process as a disciple. But what we often do is we go, oh, I'm going to add sanctification and justification together, so I have to sanctify myself to be justified. That's not true. You know, every single day, my kids go outside and play, which I'm grateful for, but they never wear shoes. Anybody have a problem with this? I'm like, we bought you shoes. They're the best shoes Walmart makes, and you... (laughs) Put those shoes on, right? Some of you people out there buying your kids Nikes and Adidas, have you ever met children? (laughs) Number one, it doesn't make them look cooler, and it doesn't make you look cooler because your kids are leaving them outside anyways, right? So we've just decided to give our kids kids cardboard boxes tied together with tape, you know, because they're going to lose them anyways. I'm having fun. People are, I'm offended. He doesn't love children. No, I love children. I'm like, anyways. We send our kids outside. They're always outside in the mud, in the grass, jumping on the trampoline, in their socks, you know, and they're getting dirty and they're getting, you know, into stuff, whatever. That's great. They're kids. But they can't, but if they come back in the house, I'm like, hey, 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 take off your socks and shoes and go take a shower. Like, get clean. To be in part of the house, be inside the house, you got to be cleaned up. Now, listen, they're my kids, whether they're covered in mud or not. That's justification sanctification is God has a wonderful plan for your life and he wants you to clean it up. Come on. There's actually some some transformation and change and he wants to help you grow in your ability to look more like him. 
And so this is still a temptation for us today. Maybe we're not talking about circumcision, but we're talking about do we add anything to what Jesus did for us at the cross? And Paul sets up this showdown. And here's the thing. Here's what it really is. It's a choice that we make between striving or thriving. Striving or thriving. When we talk about producing fruit, you can either strive to produce fruit. You can do everything possible in your power. You can fight against your sinful nature and strive to be like God. Or you can thrive as the Holy Spirit empowers you. Where the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. I want you to imagine that we're all trees in God's orchard and we're all out there. Have you ever heard trees grimacing and clenching their teeth and yelling about producing fruit? Ah! 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 It's like going to the gym. You know what I mean? Those people that are like, sir, are you okay? Ah! You know, I've never been to the gym, but I've heard it's like that. <laughs> You're trying to, you know, pop out a little bit of fruit. That's not how it works. And yet, sometimes as Christians, we're like, I'm doing everything I can. I'm striving to produce fruit. But the reality is, and this is the big idea for this series, that it's the Holy Spirit that produces fruit. It doesn't say you produce fruit. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Where the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. I remember when we moved to Eugene, we, we were moving into our little apartment and bunch of people from church came and helped us move in. And we were carrying all this stuff. We're, we're those people that have some obnoxiously heavy furniture. You have friends like this? People, don't make friends with people that play the piano, right? Because they're always like, ah, I just have a few pieces of furniture, a hutch, you know, a table, grand piano. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and you're like, oh, cool. So I get to break my back for a Domino's pizza. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, if you're the kind of person that has people help you move and you don't buy pizza, you're like breaking God's law, just so you know, in case you weren't aware of that. Don't serve like vegetables if people are moving you. It's pizza. That's written in the universe somewhere. Isn't this true, right? It's like, yeah. So we were moving into our apartment and we have some obnoxiously heavy pieces of furniture. One of them is this massive hutch, this black wood hutch. We don't even want it. We just can't get rid of it. And so we just have to move it wherever we go. And one of a friend shows up and he's like, hey, I have these moving straps. Now, I thought this is a gimmick. You know, this is just going to be hard no matter what. This hutch is enormous. And he's like, no, these things are amazing. They're magic. And we put them on, put the moving straps on. Have you ever used these before? Right? We get them on. We get this, this hutch and we're literally like, hut, 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 hut. And we just get it right up the stairs. And I was like, oh my goodness. I've been moving heavy stuff my entire life and striving when I could have been thriving. I will not move big, heavy stuff with you if you don't provide these moving straps. Let it be known. Because it changes the whole game. I was, it blew me away how much easier it made it. And this is a picture of what it's like to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you doing the heavy lifting, giving you what you need to actually produce fruit, where you're not out there going, ah, and popping out these little weak tomatoes or whatever you're trying to grow, you know, pears or something, but you actually are just flourishing and thriving in the atmosphere that you were designed for and producing fruit, love and patience and peace. And it's coming out of you because as the Holy Spirit flows through you, he's going to grow that fruit. The Holy Spirit is the one that produces the fruit. So when we talk about thriving, going from striving to thriving, 
I believe that thriving looks like this, creating an environment for the Holy Spirit to work, creating the right environment for him to produce the fruit in your life that is going to satisfy you, fulfill you, and bless the world around you, right? Going from the fruit of darkness, the evil deeds and all the stuff we read about to the fruit of righteousness and the fruit the Holy Spirit produces. So today I want to give us three ways that we can cultivate, three ways you can cultivate an environment for the Holy Spirit. Cultivate the environment. Get the garden ready. Number one is this. You need to weed the garden of your heart. Weed the garden of your heart. Now you go, I thought you just said we're not striving. No, this isn't striving. This is getting the place clear so that God can do what he does. Jesus talks about the the seed that's sown when the sower goes out into a field and he plants seed and some of the seed falls in good soil, but there's weeds and things. And when the, the good fruit of the gospel begins to grow up, the, the weeds choke it out. If you, if you know anything about agriculture or anything like that, which I don't, but I have studied a little bit <laughs> on the internet about it, is that you, you, you have to, whatever you have growing in a field or a place uh, where you're trying to grow a garden, if there's weeds and plants you don't want there, they're going to rob the nutrients and the light and the soil of what it needs to grow the good fruit. Come on. This is what weeds do. So what we need to do is get our heart ready. Now listen, Paul says in Galatians 5.24, in this passage, right after talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, he said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. There's a contrast here. He says, the Holy Spirit produces fruit, but you have the responsibility to nail the passions and desires of your sinful nature to his cross and crucify them there. You see, when you are in sin, apart from Jesus Christ, you have no power to crucify your sinful desires. You are dead in your sins. You're lost in your sins. When you are born again to new life in Jesus, you now have an option to choose Jesus and make decisions between do I want to be a slave to sin or do I want to be a bondservant and a slave of Jesus Christ? And the Holy Spirit actually empowers you to do this action, which is to go, my old self and the things that are polluting my life and the weeds that are in me, I can actually nail them to the cross of Jesus. I can say, those are dead. Those are gone. That was my past. I don't have to live under this or live in this anymore. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And you now have the ability as a follower of Jesus to actually make a decision about weeding your life, getting rid of some of these things that choke up and choke out what the Holy Spirit wants to grow. So it's this question here, is your heart a patch of weeds or prepared to bear fruit? My wife, Bethany, is an is a incredible gardener and she grows amazing garden every year. We have a garden patch on the side of our house and it's a big space and she grows beans and uh, corn and, uh, you know, tomatoes and strawberries and blueberries and artichokes and all kinds of awesome stuff, all different varieties. And it's amazing. In the summer, we always have great fresh veggies and it's, it's awesome. But that garden space, when we moved into our house, it started as basically this neglected patch of ground that was filled with weeds, broken stuff, high grass, and it was it, fallow ground. It was, it was bad. It didn't do its job. It wasn't a good place for a garden. And so we had uh, Bill Deese and Bruce Ebling came over one time. They probably remember this. And they, they rototilled two strips of land, and that was the beginning of clearing the garden. And then the next year, I used this ancient rototiller, and I rototilled the rest of it. And Bethany has put work in to weed it and clear it out. So now it's this flourishing garden patch. But it started off as this place where, 
full of weeds. And the truth is that the fruit can't grow if the weeds are in that place. Many of us as believers, we live a life that is lacking in victory, and it's not because the Holy Spirit is not doing everything he can do to produce good fruit. It's that you've allowed the place of your heart to be overgrown with weeds, bad attitudes, bad motivations, sinful uh, thoughts, actions, attitudes, behaviors, relationships, what you allow into your life and your entertainment, all this kind of stuff. So what we can do is say, look, I want to examine the attitudes and behaviors and what I allow in my life entertainment choices, relationships, environments I spend my time in and say, God, will you reveal to me what are weeds that I can get those out of here? I can nail them to the the cross of Jesus and let them die there so that you can produce good fruit in my life. So let me just talk about something that I think is a big deal in our culture. We've turned entertainment in our day and age into like a human right. And it's fascinating to me because many people who love Jesus and are going to heaven and are Christians have very little sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that they've allowed their life to be overgrown with weeds. Here's the reality. We believe as Christians that we are not just bone and blood and DNA, right? We're not just slime plus time plus chance. We are body, soul, and spirit. We're a holistic being, right? We have that, the, the, our mind, our soul, our body, all of that together. What we allow in as far as our entertainment choices, what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, the conversations that we have, what we speak on in the meditation of our heart, what we allow into us, it can become weeds in our life that stop the fruit of the Holy Spirit from growing up. And yet with many Christians, there's no sensitivity to the spirit about their entertainment choices. It's almost like, hey, did you know that if like all that you're watching on TV is like pornography, uh, just because it's on Netflix doesn't mean it's not pornography. Did you know that? Oh man, you thought I was going to stop preaching hard because of like two weeks ago when I went crazy, right? No, 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 this is, we're still going to do this. No, no, it's Netflix. So just because it's like the same exact thing that you would like sneak off to watch, but it's on TV, it's different. What? So if your life is filled with sexual immorality that you're consuming through your entertainment, well, I'm not doing it. No, but you're letting that into you. You're, you're drawing that in. If the music you listen to is, is denigrating people, women are denigrating other people or it's violent or whatever, this kind of stuff, it gets into us, okay? Now, I'm not trying to be legalistic and I'll talk about the difference between this. Uh, I'm just saying when you have this kind of stuff, your entertainment choices, that can produce weeds that are actually stopping the good fruit. And it looks more like, if it looks more like what you're watching and listening to and, and, and consuming looks more like the list that we talked about that is the fruit of darkness, and it doesn't really look like the fruit of righteousness, shouldn't that give us a little bit of a pause? There's like a few people amening, but... And and this isn't me preaching at you. This is me too. We live in a culture that really has glorified the things that are really not of God. And that's just how it is. It's sad to me that Bethany and I have to, to really, 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 really carefully watch and examine what our children are consuming because they're being taught things, ideologies and worldviews and perspectives that really are not just not Christian, but they're counter-biblical, counter-Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? And yet we as adults, oftentimes, we don't filter what's coming into our life. And what's happening is that can create weeds in our garden that stop what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And, and if this is something that you feel like, man, Lord, help me see, don't, 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 don't just go and start making wholesale changes because you feel guilty. 
Ask the Lord to reveal to you what in your life that you're consuming and bringing in is honoring to him and what's not, and he will show you. And that's what I love about this. You see, legalism is, is where we try to add standards to God's law, or we, and we start depending on our own righteousness. So we go, well, I'm righteous, and I'm good, and I'm clean because I don't watch bad stuff on TV. No. You can have a rotten heart and watch TBN all day long. Come on. And there's people that watch bad stuff, and God's doing something beautiful in their life, So legalism is adding standards to God's law and trying to earn our way and be right with God through what we do versus trusting in Christ. We're not talking about legalism here. We're talking about wisdom. Wisdom leads us to guard our heart because out of it flow the issues of life. So the reality is what you consume, what you fill your life with, what you fill your mind with, it's your meditation. And that is going to give you the filter and lens by which you operate in life. And so we're saying, hey, let's, let's let God into this area of our life. So even in our entertainment choices, that we guard our heart in that. So weed the garden of your heart. Because if you do this, nail the passions and desires of your sinful life to the cross, right? Let him be crucified with Christ. You're, you're, you're making space for the Holy Spirit to do what he does. All right, number two, how we cultivate an environment for the Holy Spirit in our life. Number two, follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 25, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit. The Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Did you know that God is always speaking? He's always speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. And the question is, are we listening? Oftentimes, all it takes is just getting quiet, right, to, to find his voice. Back in the uh, uh, back in, in in history, a time before refrigerators, right? The dark ages, basically. Uh, there used to be these things called ice houses, right? You ever heard about an ice house? Anybody here? Okay, that's sweet. There's like seven people. That's cool. It's awesome. Well, I'm gonna tell you, okay? So it's all good. Everybody online raised their hand. I could tell. People use these things called ice houses to preserve preserve their food. So what an ice house uh, was is it had thick walls. Sometimes they were like a cellar or even buried in the ground. Uh, no windows and a very tightly fitted door. And in the winter, when the streams and lakes would freeze, they'd go cut out blocks of ice out of these places, get the, fr- the ice. They'd bring it into this ice house and they'd cover it with sawdust. And oftentimes that ice would last even into the summertime. And that's how they'd preserve food. It's really smart. But one day this work crew was getting the ice and they were bringing it into this place and covering it with sawdust and filling up this ice house. And a man had this valuable wristwatch and it fell off and he lost it inside the sawdust. So he spent time searching for it, looking around. The the other work crew, they went and they searched for it for hours. They never found the watch. So he was really upset about it. As they were leaving, a small boy heard that they hadn't been able to find the watch. So he just kind of quietly went into the ice house, uh, closed the door, went in there. And just a few minutes later, he came out and he had the watch in his hand. And the whole crew was like, how did you do that? We searched for hours. We couldn't find it. And he said, well, here's what I did. I closed the door. I lay down in the sawdust. And I just kept very still and quiet. And soon I heard the watch ticking. Tick, tick, tick. And he found it. Many times we are in a frenzy of activity whether it be religious or secular, thinking I'm going to push my way, strive my way. I'm going to find the will of God. I'm going to read every book about God's will. I'm going to read the Bible backwards and forwards and in Latin. Because if I do this step by step or whatever, if I go to this Bible study and 
I download every podcast Beth Moore ever made. You know, whatever you decide to do as your penance or whatever, we think that's how we're going to hear the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes all that is required is to get still and to get quiet and to spend a few moments just listening for his voice. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 2 says, Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Before digital radios, I remember some analog ones where you'd actually have to tune in the dial. Do you remember that sound? That find it. And uh, it's a really cool thing. Uh, and you, you had to tune it in. We have to tune in our heart, tune in our mind to hear the voice of wisdom, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking, but we need to get quiet and still and concentrate on hearing him. The best way to do that is just daily time in God's word and prayer. It will tune your ear. Tune your ear. Because the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you. Now guess what? It's still your decision when he's speaking to you whether you're going to do the right thing or the wrong thing. It's kind of like having GPS, right? You have your GPS and, you know, as a, as a man, sometimes I think I know better than uh, Siri or whoever's guiding me. Anybody ever do this? And you're like, no, it's not that way. It's this way. And then you end up not where you wanted to be. So it's still your choice, but we want to be humble and quiet and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. When you have a sensitive heart and you tune in your hearing ear, you're going to find this beautiful relationship with the Holy Spirit as he will lead you and guide you in life. Number three, ways to cultivate an environment for the Holy Spirit to operate in our life and produce fruit. Number three is this, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. A Spirit-filled life is a life full of fruit. A fruitful life is a filled life. You can fill your life with the things of darkness or you can be filled with the Spirit of God. And if you're filled with His Spirit, you're going to produce incredible fruit. Paul writes another letter to a church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. He's talking about the same concepts. The fruit of the light, being children of the light, born again, belonging to God, and thriving, not striving. Or you can be in the fruitlessness, uh, uh, the fruitless deeds of darkness. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Listen, Paul's talking here about the fact that even for us in our culture, alcohol, and this isn't a message about drinking or not drinking, but, we, but people use alcohol as a way to either mute the agony of life or they use it as a way to escape, or they use it as a way to enhance joy or whatever, right? You with me? And so Paul says, look, you can try, everybody has a piece of them that's longing for something, to be fulfilled, to get away from the pain, to soften the, the blow of life or whatever, whatever we would use wine for, alcohol for, to, to, to either amplify pleasure or to deaden pain. And he says, listen, don't go too far with that because that will take you to debauchery. That's not even up for debate. We know that if you're getting drunk with wine, you're, that just leads to bad stuff. But be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because you can drink the fruit of the cup 
of, of you know, alcohol and it's going to give you temporary fix. Or you can drink the fruit of the Spirit. Come on. You can drink of the Spirit, drink the cup of the Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the fruit that comes out of your life is beautiful and good and brings no sorrow. Do you hear what I'm saying? The choice before us is that you can go and into the fruitless deeds of darkness. See, you ever been to a, 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 like a house that's being staged? Maybe real estate agents have gotten it ready and they've got this bowl of beautiful looking fruit. But if you were to grab it and take a bite, it's fake, right? It's foam or it's styrofoam or whatever. That's what the deeds of darkness are. They look like they're going to satisfy you, like they're going to fulfill you. You want that fruit. It's like, oh, if I will go into envy and drunkenness and being, you know, indecension and jealousy and envy and all these kinds of things, I'll take a bite of that fruit and it's going to satisfy me. And you find out that it turns to dust in your mouth and it leaves you high and dry. It leaves you empty and continuing to long. How many of us have tried to satisfy our hearts with the fruit of darkness? But it's fruitless, that's what Paul says here. And he says, in contrast, you can be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, your life is going to produce all this fruit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. You can pursue the fruit of darkness apart from Jesus, and you'll find yourself empty. You can pursue the fruit and striving of self-righteousness and self-reliance, even belonging to Jesus, and you'll find yourself striving. Or you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can follow the Holy Spirit. You can get the weeds out of your life, and you can let the Holy Spirit allow you to thrive as you produce this fruit of love, this fruit of joy, this fruit of peace and patience. He's the one that produces the fruit, not striving thriving. Where the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. I pray that right now we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, right now we would lay down our effort and our earning, trying to make ourselves cleaner, better, do more, serve harder, that we would just let all that down at the foot of the cross and say, no, I'm just saved because of what you did, Jesus. And because I don't deserve anything, I'll take it all. I receive my sonship. I receive my daughtership. I receive that I am your child. I receive that I belong to you because you accomplished that work at the cross. And I receive your Holy Spirit that I could bear this good fruit. Lord, fill us with your spirit that we would thrive, not strive. We love you, Lord. I pray that you would reveal to us the areas of our life where there may be some weeds that are choking out the work that you are accomplishing. Could be in our entertainment, could be in our relationships, could be just in what we meditate on, what we think about. Lord, if there's wrong thinking and wrong processing, unforgiveness, bitterness, let us just turn from that, repent, give it to you so that the fruit of righteousness can grow. Let us be filled with your Holy Spirit. Let us be attuned to your voice each and every moment. In Jesus' name, amen.